Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. God wants all of us to partner with him in the work of sharing the gospel with the world. It starts with his call to us individually to share his love with those around us. Today, we're going to focus on three attributes of Abraham that allowed him to effectively share God's love with those around him. Are these attributes important for us today? Stay with us and find out. On our panel today, we have Gail Fong and Uriah Sanjist. Welcome, Gail. Thank Welcome, you. Uriah. Thank you. Before we start our program, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us as we discuss aspects of Abraham's character mm. that enabled him to share in God's mission. May we see how these characteristics are important for us today as we too share in God's mission. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the story of Abraham is fascinating and is spread over 14 chapters from Genesis 11 to Genesis chapter 25. Abraham was a vital component in God's plan to reveal the character, his character and love uh, to the heathen Canaanites. We're going to look at how Abraham shared in God's mission. Firstly, what do we mean when we say mission? What do you think uh, that means, Gail? Well, a mission is a special assignment given to a person, individual or a group. And um, we're actually each called by God um, for a special assignment. And that is his plan is through us is to share the love of God with the world around us. Now, the way I carry out my special assignment or mission may be very different to the way that you carry out your uh, special assignment according to our individuality and giftedness that we have. But ultimately, the goal is the same, that we share God's love with the world, even though our mission, the method of how we share it may be slightly mm. different. Yeah, thank you. It's good to make that clarification. We all have different aspects and different missions, but the goal is the same. Yes. So let's talk about Abraham. And you're right, what were the circumstances regarding Abraham's calling to mission? Well, Abraham and his um, family, they were a bit interesting because not only did they follow uh, the true God, but they also uh, worshipped idols, um, as a matter of fact. And... Um, God called him to leave his ancestral home into a place that he would prepare for him. And if we turn to Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, it says, Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and to inherit it. So Abraham's leaving home was a mission, a mission from God to leave his home and to go to a specific place. So he was led by God and he traveled quite a distance, about a thousand kilometers uh, following the Euphrates River with um, his father and his brother's family. And they stopped in a place called Haran, which is today in modern day Southeast uh, Turkey, or as it said now, Turkey. Turkey. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's quite a decision to uproot and leave. Um, Gail, did Abraham question this call? He didn't. 
That's the amazing thing. He obeyed the call. And um, when he heard God's voice, he didn't question it. And he could have. He could have disregarded the voice of God. But I believe Abraham was called by God because he was a man of faith. And um, he he didn't rationalize away the voice and the calling that God gave him that seemed totally um, to us. It would be it'd be very difficult to leave your family and your homeland. Um, but he didn't rationalize away that and think, well, that was just a figment of his imagination. He accepted that God did speak to him and he submitted to the will of God and he left his father's household. And it says in Genesis 12 verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. So he followed the call instantaneously, basically. Yeah, that's an important point. He didn't sit there and meditate or procrastinate. He, God spoke and he acted. Yes. Well, Abraham knew that God spoke to him. What about us today, Uriah? Does God call us the same way? Um, how do we know that God is really calling us for mission? So God calls all of his uh, children, all of his disciples uh, to mission. And today, God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, uh, it says, And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and, in, and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is a general call to mission that every disciple of Jesus has placed upon them. But God also today um, speaks to people individually and gives them special missions, special tasks to do something special for him. And that comes, by the way, of a very strong impression that's not your own thought, but mm. an impression through his Holy Spirit. Mm. And that impression, that calling should be in line with the word of God. It absolutely yes. should be. That's one of the ways you can know that it's a call yeah. from God, because if God, if I believe God is wanting to enrich me by robbing a bank, I can know that's not <laughs> uh, a call from him because yes. it doesn't line up with his word. Yeah, thou shalt not steal. That's Great. right. <clears throat> well, Gail, let's, uh, let's drill down into Abraham's calling. What did God actually ask Abraham to do? Well, just reading from Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God called Abraham to go to a country that he didn't know. God knew where he was going, but Abraham didn't. He was going to be following by faith. So God was leading him and he's made so many promises to Abraham. Mm -hmm. I will do this. I will bless you. And um, Abraham obeyed even when he did not know where he was mm -hmm. going. And it is true through Abraham, all the families of the earth have been blessed mm -hmm. because it's through his lineage that Christ was born. Amen. Amen. So Abraham ends up in Canaan, a country with a different culture. Uriah, once he got there, how did he carry out his mission? Well, 
since God called Abraham and God was leading him, God also blessed him. Um, he acquired quite a bit of wealth, actually. He had servants, um, he had herdsmen, and um, in all, his, when you add up his family and those who worked for him, you're talking about a thousand people there. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 14, uh, it says that he had 318 uh, trained male servants. And so even by Canaanite standards, he was quite a wealthy man. Um, but he was very careful to set up an altar for daily family worship wherever he traveled. And that was something the Canaanites saw. Um, these altars were witnesses to the Canaanites. So not only did they observe his wealth, but they also observed him worshiping and had a chance to be exposed to the God who, whom he worshiped and who was the source of his wealth. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. And this is what uh, the Bible says. Uh, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken of him. So here we can see that um, God was blessing Abraham. Abraham was worshiping God, following God, and God was blessing him uh, with prosperity, but also the people had the opportunity to see how he commanded his household and um, see that he was a blessed man and therefore being exposed to the God of his mm. blessing. You can imagine that if he was blessed with um, you know, wealth, that would attract the Canaanites. It would. That, that alone, yes. yes. Well, look, you've gone to Genesis eighteen nineteen. Let's stay with Genesis 18, chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham's been in... Uh, Canaan now for about 25 years and this chapter demonstrates three attributes of Abraham there's the attribute of hospitality, his love for people and his intercessory prayer so let's go through each one of these Gail, starting with you on the first one how in Genesis 18 does Abraham demonstrate his hospitality? Yes, we're just reading in Genesis 18 and verses 1 to 5 about this mighty man of faith. Uh, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And he said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. So as soon as he sees these strangers, he he doesn't think twice. He just rushes out to meet them. It must be very hot on the desert that day. And in the heat of the day, as the Bible says. So he immediately gives that initiative. He has this enormous welcome for them to come and spend time. And he doesn't know them. They're strangers to him. But then he doesn't only bring them into the shade, but he invites them in verse three. He says um, that if they've found favor, do not pass by your servant. In other words, come and stay. Come and stay with me. He's inviting them home. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a very hospitable thing to do. 
And then in verse four, of course, it's so refreshing if you're in a hot country to have your feet washed in cold water and to have your hands washed. And so they bring water for them to wash, to wash the dust off. And that is a very welcoming thing to have, um, be a recipient of. And then he, he's also going to provide them food, but not just any sort of food. He's going to go and get the best that he can give them. So he's just oozing in hospitality towards he's, them. He's gone out of his way to make his guests feel extremely comfortable. I mean, I've been invited for lunch, but no one's washed my feet. <laughs> this is quite yes. amazing how he, he really yeah. looked after them. Uh, I remember when I went to Samoa for the first time and the town used to close down for an hour and a half in the daytime. But before you ate, that the water would come out and we would have, have just wash our feet mm. and hands. It was just so refreshing. Very good, very nice. Yeah. So you're right, this is amazing hospitality. Do we see that level of hospitality in our world today? Well, there are still Middle Eastern countries that practice this um, extremely well. Uh, there are Middle Eastern cultures where um, if a, a guest or a stranger or visitor is, uh, knocks on your door at any time of day or night, you have to welcome them in and feed them, give them a place uh, to sleep. So it is believed that this practice uh, today is, is directly connected with uh, the ancient practice that we saw um, Abraham doing. Uh, but even within Christianity, um, in Hebrews chapter 13 and um, verse 2, uh, this is the New Testament, so this is for Christians. Uh, it says here, do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So for Christians today, the command is there that you must also be uh, hospitable to strangers. And the idea of strangers includes also those who are not of your kind, uh, foreigners. Uh, so there's no mm. room for, for xenophobia um, in Christianity. Mm. Um, we must welcome strangers. And that is exactly what um, Abraham did, because you never know whom you might actually be showing hospitality to. So in our churches today, it's a customary practice that um, you're invited home for lunch. And although your feet may have never been washed, but I know every time I go to someone's house, they do tell me, um, here's the, the, the bathroom and you can mm. wash your hands uh, there before you mm. eat. So that practice of generosity still takes place today. It's, it's amazing when you think about that level of generosity. Um, you're treated like you're one of the family and yes. that makes you extremely comfortable and relaxed in, yes. in the home. That's right. And, and the comment about the uh, entertaining angels, mm -hmm. um, it'll be a sad day in heaven we find out we've had angels knock at our door and we've turned yes, them away. Yes. So Gail, just from what you read, what's your takeaway lesson that applies to what do we do today to learn from Abraham's example of hospitality? Well, Abraham really gave us a wonderful example in hospitality as two strangers as we've been sharing here together. And, and, but hospitality is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And just reading in the book of Romans, uh, Romans 12 and verses 10 to 13, the Bible says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. And so 
uh, this beautiful gift of hospitality, it gave Abraham an opportunity to get to know the strangers. They were strangers when they came, but when they left, they were not strangers to him anymore. And people today, they respond to hospitality and it gives a wonderful opportunity mm. to make friends. And when you make a friend, it's like building a bridge so that you can share Jesus with mm. them. And really, that's the most precious gift you want to give them is mm. you want to give them that wonderful hope in the Lord. It's all about mission, isn't it? Always making that friendship so you can relate to people and they will listen to you when you speak to them yes. because you've got that bond, that friendship. Well, let's move to his second quality. His second quality um, is his love for people, his great love for people. Now, um, Abraham was ruling over a vast household. And as you said, Uriah, he, there was a huge number of people. It probably was a small village, in fact. And we read in um, Genesis 13 and verse 2 that Abraham was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. So God was clearly blessing Abraham in a mighty way. And he had lots of people. Again, in Genesis 14, it says he had 318 trained servants. So there probably could have been easy over a thousand people in his household. And this second quality he had was love for people. Um, and that uh, love for people didn't just extend to his household, that extended to all people. As he said, uh, as Gail was saying, he entertained strangers. And where he was located at Mamre, that was about 40 kilometres from the cities of the plain. And the cities of the plain at that stage were quite well known for, for what they were up to. And Abraham discovers that his guests were angels. Now, Uriah, what actually happened when he discovered what their mission was? How do we see the love for um, Abraham when he discovers the mission of the angels? So Abraham uh, realized very quickly that these strangers were angels and, um, and God himself. And God revealed to Abraham what he intended to do, the decision to bring judgment upon um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Genesis chapter 18, uh, verse 20 and 21, it says, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So God revealed to Abraham beforehand what he was going to do. And um, when we read further, we can see Abraham's love for people, including those who did not follow God, including those who were also classed as, as evil. Mm. So we can see his genuine love for people um, mm. revealed, not just by entertaining strangers, but even interceding mm. for those who are about to be destroyed. Mm. Mm. Very good. Gail, just, um, let's just read uh, forward, as Uriah said, read the next few verses and uh, let's see how, explain to us how he showed his love, how it was demonstrated for all people. Yes, well, as your eyes just shared there, yes, he, he truly exemplified love for others because he knew that Sodom and Gomorrah was a sinful city. They had very different values to what Ab Abraham had. But he also had a nephew there, 
Lot was there in his family, but it wasn't just for Lot and his family. He was concerned for all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the and the imminent destruction that was possibly going to come upon them. Mm. So regardless of their their lifestyle, their race, their gender, their religion or um, their language, he, he loved them and he did not want to see anyone destroyed. And so with humility and reverence, um, uh, he, he intercedes for them. And I'd just like to read Genesis 18 and verse 23 to 25. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, should you, should not, you should not judge Sorry, you should not the judge of all the earth do right. So he's um, talking with God. He's opening up his heart mm. to God mm. and he's starting to intercede for mm. the people of Sodom mm. and Gomorrah. Just, just on that point, we have different kinds of prayers, intercessory prayers when we're praying for other people as opposed to praying for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So you're right, just on that, by asking God to save all the people, if so many righteous were found, what was he really hoping for here? Now, if we just step back a little bit and reflect on our topic, mission, mm. and we've seen that God called Abraham out of Ur. He was living in a, a city where there was paganism, worshipping of false, and God called him out of that to a particular place where there was also uh, the presence of evil. Um, but... Abraham here is interceding on behalf of the people to God. He is pleading with God. Um, so you see, Abraham did not want anyone to die. And his hope was not just that the righteous would be saved, but that God would relent and even those who are wicked would be saved as well. And God made that assurance at the end of um, verse 26 of chapter 18. He says, then I will spare all the place for the sake of the righteous. So we can see Abraham's mission and understanding why God sent him uh, to that particular uh, place so that God's grace can be extended, not just to the righteous, but even to the evil as well. Yes. So, Gail, where did Abraham get this great love for people? He got it from God because God is love. And just reading 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. And Abraham had experienced personally that love that God had for him. He understood that his sins were forgiven. He was accepted in the beloved and that he had that open communication with God. So Abraham, as the priest and head of his household, he had daily family worship has been, has, has been shared. And he also, he and Sarah had led many of their servants to the worship of the, the living God. And also many of the Canaanites around them also understood about the worship of the true and living God because of Abraham's uh, prayer life and because of the altars that were erected there. So when we focus our attention on God and we learn of his character um, and God, who is full of love, he is love. There's, there is 
it's, it's such a limitless word. But by beholding, we become changed. And Abraham had experienced God's love in his life, that grace, that mercy, that patience that God has mm. for him, that forgiveness. And God has that for us. And just reading 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I think of Abraham under the starry heavens and looking up and thinking, who is God that he's mindful of me? He knew God personally. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's amazing when you think of his life. Uriah, how important is that love for people for us today to be sharing God's mission? Very important. So important that um, Jesus put it in a commandment. In uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the very first thing we need to be doing when we're doing mission is to love each other within the church, within the, 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 the mm. God's um, family. And that's how the outside world will know that we are authentic, we are genuine, when we have that genuine love one for another. So I pray every day that God would teach me to learn to love people because that's the only way we can uh, reach them for Jesus. Because if you don't have that love for people, you won't have the hospitality and you won't want to reach across for the strangers. And it will come up as being fake and not authentic. Yeah, yes, yes, indeed. So, Uriah, just staying with you, um, Abraham interceded for the Sodomites uh, that God would save them. Uh, so many righteous were found. What part does intercessory prayer play in our mission today? We cannot do anything without prayer. We will have no success if we do not pray because it's not just our strategic thinking and our planning and our eloquence that will actually um, see people being drawn uh, to Jesus. I just want to read John 17, um, verse 20, words of Jesus again, and this is what he says. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So even Jesus is praying for those whom he is working with, he's trying to draw, that they will believe in him. So before we even embark on mission, prayer has to be the engine room of any missional program uh, that we have. Jesus did it. He relied on prayer. He relied on his Father. Um, so without prayer, our mission will simply be a failure. Mm -hmm. And Gail, sadly, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. What can we learn from that, that fact? Oh, well, sadly, not everyone's going to be saved. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Mm, yeah, very sobering. So it comes down to personal choice. Very sobering. Well, that's all we have time for. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Uriah. The, the life of Abraham reveals that he had three great spiritual qualities. He had hospitality for strangers. He had love for all people. And he interceded that God would withhold his judgment to give sinners time to repent. Now, these qualities are vital as we share in God's mission to reach people with the gospel. 
Jesus offers salvation to everyone and he is soon to return. Pray that, you, that the Holy Spirit will give you these spiritual qualities as well. And we're glad you're with us today on Let God Speak. You can watch this program again, download teacher's notes or catch up on our website, 3abinaustralia.org.au. Email us on lgs at 3abinaustralia.org.au and join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.